This is a teaching message from Church of the Living Water of Austin. Open up in your Bibles to find Luke chapter 19 and John chapter 3. Uh, We're going to briefly review and then jump right back on to where we left off on last week. We have uh, entitled this uh, overall topic, Biblical Examples of Redemption. Uh, This is a message uh, that goes beyond what I've been able to teach here, but it's something I didn't get a chance to get to in times prior, but we're able to get to some of this now. And so this is a subsection of this teaching called God is a Redeeming God. And the whole point of this is so that you and I might know God as a redeeming God because that is who he is. I'm not saying that because it's just a nice saying. I'm saying that because it's true. And the thing to remember about this is what enables us to teach this And me give you this truth is the love of God. It's all about his love. And his love is like no other. And it's a wonderful thing. And we we get a chance to look into it. And we get a chance to see God as a redeeming God through biblical examples that I'll give you. Or I'll show you in the Bible. God has actually given it to us. And I want to remind you that uh, when we look at these examples, God is going to be dealing with the nation of Israel. Again, don't, don't, don't get bent out of shape about that. We can get so nationalistic, ethnic-centric, that we don't like the idea that God used somebody who's not exactly like us to show us who he is. But it's okay. I'm glad he is who he is. I don't care who he used to show. I'm glad he is the redeeming God. And if he chose to do it through the nation of Israel, then so be it. If my salvation came through the nation of Israel, I thank God. For the nation of Israel, that God was able to work in and through them to bring forth a redeemer. Now, we started this in John chapter 3. Hopefully you found that. We'll read the first three verses. It says, there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. The same came to Jesus by night and said unto him, Rabbi, we know that thou art a teacher come from God. For no man can do these miracles that thou doest except God be with him. Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. I don't want to stop down on that statement, but that is such a remarkable passage of Scripture. Uh, when you delve into it and you look deeper into it. Now, I'll have you to know Nicodemus is not born again, but he saw the miracles. And Jesus, again, he's, he's, he's telling all of us, you can be witness to great things, but you won't know it for yourself outside of being born again. And so the message to you, church, whoever is in earshot, whether you're a member of the church or not a member of the church, the answer is in being born again. Church membership is not enough. Okay, how long you've been in church membership. This was a ruler of the Jews. It's talking about a religious ruler. A spiritual authority, if you will. And Jesus informed him, you'll miss it if you are not born again. I don't care who your mama is. I don't care who your daddy is. 
I don't care if you do something in the church. I don't care if you've done something in the church and been doing it for a long time. If you are not born again, you're missing it. Remember, there's a window of time that's been opened up. A special window of time. Those of you who are students of the Bible, even to some extent, you should be able to, to, to marry this together with Paul's great desire that the nation of Israel come apart from the law. Why? Because that day had passed them by. And now there's a new day, the day of the ability to be born again. And that's God's desire for us. And you want to be born again. Because born again, we looked at this, what does it mean to be born again? Again, when we look at it, we understand how good God is. Well, we get a glimpse of how good God is. Because in the born again experience, it means to be born from above. You've heard it mentioned this way. It means to be born of His Spirit. We are truly children. Not in word, but indeed, and, and with that comes salvation, it comes wholeness. With that comes regeneration. Things are made new. And I don't know about everybody, their mind, but I know about everybody. Everybody starts out where they don't need to be. Any individual born of a man and a woman in this earth is born into sin. That's what we call lost. Remember, this is God's love for the lost. And we start out that way. And we want to get away from that. And we need things to be made new. See, that regeneration comes with the born-again experience. There's washing that comes with the born-again experience. A washing that cannot be explained in Webster's Dictionary. It's a washing that really can't even be described. You have to experience it. And once you're washed, it's a clean like no other clean. I don't know how else to say it, but righteousness has a new meaning when, you, when you're washed, when you're clean. It, it's like, wow, I, these clothes are new, but it's not my clothes. It's, it's, it's what God has done on the inside of me. See, I'm truly his child. With the born again experience comes, and I love this, justification. You are cleared of all charges. By the great judge. So who can lay anything. To the charge. Of God's elect. See that's part of the washing experience too. When you. And I don't know how else to say it. I really don't. I I don't. Words just come up short. and, And it's beyond the senses. But you know there is a new relationship between you and God. It's different when you walk in front of a judge to stand at trial and you don't know about that judge. But when it's family who brought you in and you know everything is right between you and the judge, see, that's justification. And it doesn't matter who's in the courthouse with you. Doesn't matter who's charging you with anything, you've been justified by the judge. You already know the outcome. And with the born again experience comes redemption. It's the restoration. God wants to restore man. Remember, this is what we define redemption as. Redemption means to restore. That's the definition we're using. Because God wants to restore man, because man was lost to God. God didn't lose man. Man walked away from God. Man chose sin rather than God. And man became lost to God. 
And God wants to restore what he had with man before sin. And our choosing of sin interrupted that. So that's why he brings in redemption. And remember this, because I think we will refer to it later on in the teaching. But, yeah, you'll look it up and it'll, it'll say something to the extent of pay to, to secure the release. Right? Redemption. Or another way to think of it is a ransom. And so that is proper, but I want you to know that in the hands of God, God is in the business of restoring. In other words, God didn't create you to be separated from you. And so he's trying to get mankind back on track. And so when we looked at redemption, we saw that redemption is of God. And when I originally made that statement, I told you that to me that statement is quite the statement. It carries a lot of weight in my mind and in my heart uh, because I gave you three things about that. When we say redemption is of God, it means, number one, that redemption is on God's standard and not man's. And man is a fickle individual. Man is shifting standards all the time. But God's standard remains the same. And, and man holds grudges, too. You understand what I mean by that? So you do man wrong once, that man may never want to have anything to do with you ever again. But my God's a long-suffering God. One of the mightiest examples is a thief on the cross. I don't know how long he had lived a life of crime, but he wasn't denying it. He wasn't crying, you've got an innocent man up here. I don't know how long he was in that way, but Jesus said today, Based on what you believe, you should be with me in paradise. See, because this is it. What is the key to the born again experience? To believe. Let's get back to this. Redemption is of God. It means redemption is on God's standard and not man's. It means that God alone redeems. He doesn't need anybody's help. <laughs> he alone redeems. The people asked Jesus what in John chapter 6 you can look it up but what works should we do that we might do the works of God Jesus said believe on him whom God has sent believing is not a work <laughs> believing is someone else did the work and you just accept what they did and so God, in essence, is saying, I don't need you, and I don't need them. I redeem all by myself. <laughs> I'm so glad about it. Because no one else can change a life. And I know the self-help books say this and say that, but there's no permanent change. There's no lasting change. There's, there's no meaningful change if God isn't doing the changing. So this change is a change that can stick. And so in this, we said redemption is God's design. It's his desire, and it is his work. Redemption is God's design. He came up with it. It's his idea. Not only is it his idea, it's his desire. You've got to hear this. I don't care how lost you think you are, how out of the way you think you are, God desires you. 
See, this is why I say the born-again experience means God is good. You could have cursed God with everything that's in your body, but if you turn in your heart to God, He won't turn away from you. It's His design. It's His desire. That's what Jesus was telling them in John chapter 6. When he says, what can we do to make God happy? Jesus is like, no, 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 no. It's God's desire to do you right, to do you good. So there's no work you can do to please him. He's got you covered. This is what we call grace. Grace means I don't work. He does. third point I gave you about redemption is of God. Redemption is a person. And it is God himself through Jesus Christ. To me, I hope you have taken this to heart. One of the greatest scriptures we ran across that will stick with me, I got ministered to in this message. All things are of God. You hear that? All things are of God. That means he's taking care of it all. Who has reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ. To wit that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself. That reconciliation means what we lost, we get back. Man, that's... And he does it all. That, 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 that gets me, church. That gets me, people. He does it all. You did nothing. This is the great work of grace. It is his desire. It is his work. It is his effort. And the reason it had to be a person, because God in his holiness cannot let your sin go. He loves you, but he doesn't love that sin. And if sin was going to get paid for, who would pay? Even if you were willing to pay, and trust me, you're not willing. Even if you were willing to pay, what do you have to offer him that would be accepted by him? Your blood is tainted. Your blood is polluted. You have sin in your veins. There need to be one who knew no sin. Who would become sin for us. Redemption had to be in a person. And that person is Jesus Christ. You see, Jesus went to the cross not because of any other reason, but because God desired you to be reconciled to him. So he went to the cross at the desire of the Father that you might have life in this born-again experience. It's God's design. It's his desire. And it is his work. So, I gave you this, and hold on to this truth. Redemption is the miraculous, merciful, and gracious move of God to place you in right place with Him. 
Again, I tell you, don't get moved by the parting of the waters. To change a man, that's something much more difficult. To change him not from the outside. See, because we have got plastic surgery today. <laughs> but we're talking about changing him on the, in the very soul. In his very heart. That is miraculous. <laughs> Those of you who are born again, you are walking wonders. You're walking miracles. And in all honesty, you really don't need any other miracle than that. You see, because even with miracles on this side, uh, this life will fade away. And you will have to exchange this body. No matter how many miracles this body would have experienced in exchange for an eternal body. And I'm I'm here to tell you, I'm not trying to scare you, I'm trying to tell you the truth. Uh, The eternal body will be either outfitted for condemnation or for everlasting life. And the born again experience is the open door that says come in and receive of me everlasting life. See, because God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. (laughs) That whosoever, 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 I've done this and I've done that, you're a whosoever. And I did it again, you're still a whosoever. Oh, but then when I knew it was wrong, I kept doing it, you're still a whosoever. It's his design. It's God's desire. And again, he said, I, Christ says it this way, I died for that. I died for that. I did the work that you could not do, that you might be reconciled. Remember, all things are of God. To wit, God was in Christ, reconciling whosoever to himself. But the key is, you must believe. What does it mean to believe? It means to fully embrace with your heart. What do we believe? We believe that God was in Christ. Reconciling the world to himself. We believe on him whom God has sent. Why did God send him? Because he was in Christ. Reconciling the world to himself. So when we see Christ, we see God. Uh, no, did you get that? See, it's, it's not who he is in facial features. It's not who he is in bodily form because he is not, he, he's a spirit. It's who he is in character. And the amazing thing about it to me is, remember I told you the motivation behind this, the reason we can give you this message is the love of God. It's the love of God that opens up the door to allow man to change. Now turn to John chapter, oh, Luke chapter 19. We're in John. Luke chapter 19. And we were in the midst of talking about Zacchaeus. Now I told you that, I don't know if I told you that or not. If I didn't, I should have told you. There are three main characters we want to look at. And we have not looked at the third character as of yet. And so, we want to get back to this. There's much in it. Starting at verse number 1 of Luke chapter 19. And Jesus entered and passed through Jericho. Now, many of you know what's going to happen here. But when I read that scripture again, I've got to slow down and I just can't help but thinking how good my God is. See, because 
Jesus was passing by. <laughs> I, I, I hear the blind man, Jesus, passing by. Son of David. And I see Jesus showing God was in him. Reconciling the world to himself. Healing him. And then I think of Peter's mother-in-law. If you know that record, Jesus went to heal Peter's mother-in-law. And it's written that after that, people knew that he was around. They brought all this in. And then the Bible says, you know what he did? I'm sure he was tired. I'm sure his itinerary was full. It says he healed every one of them. And then I see in this record of Zacchaeus, he's passing by. But he's never too busy to reconcile. He's never too busy to do the work of redemption. So he and passed through Jericho. And behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus, which was the chief among the publicans, and he was rich. Now we looked at that, what it means to be a publican, and as far as I can tell from the, from the New Testament scriptures, a publican was not a well-revered position, a very despised position. We looked at the messages and how uh, one message said, well, if uh, they won't hear you, count them as a heathen or a publican. You know, those are pretty tough words coming from, and that was Jesus, those are Jesus' words. So that's their attitude towards publicans. So here it is, this publican, but not just any publican, he's chief. And I can't say for sure all publicans were rich. We know that in the people's mind, they're all shysters. <laughs> they're all con artists. They're all no good. But this one was rich. And it's interesting that the Bible points that out. Like, no, don't, don't, no, don't question it. He's rich because he's chief of the publicans. So you wonder how he got rich. We know how he got rich. He took advantage of the people. Another thing that catches me is, you know, when we looked at Nicodemus, he was a master, a ruler of the Jews. We look at Zacchaeus, he's a chief. All these are prominent men, but I don't care what your position is. Unless you're born again, you're missing. You don't have enough. And as much as people put on good shows, you, you know this for yourself, people can show you what they want you to see. And you don't know what's going on behind closed doors. And you don't know what's going on in the inside of a man. But I can attest this. Some, there's going to always be something missing. As long as your relationship with God is amiss. And I don't care how much money you have. Now I wrote this in my notes. So I'm going to read it to you. If all you have to look forward to is what you gain in this world. You would best hold on tight to what you do have. Because once it's gone, there's nothing else. And when I say hold on tight, you know, this is about you're holding on tight, as, hold, as tight as you can hold on to it. In the end, you'll find out how weak your hands are. That which you hold so tightly to, it will escape you. And then what? Can I say it this way? You're like a baby with a pacifier. And one day that pacifier is going to be taken away from you. But here's the thing about his being rich. He couldn't see Jesus any the better because of his riches. And
And he sought, verse 3, to see Jesus who he was and could not for the press because he was a little of stature. You know, all the money he had, it didn't get him any closer to Jesus. Oh, I wish I could. Now, this is a message for church folk. You think you're something because you give, but your heart's not right. What you give has nothing to do with how close you are to God. And no doubt, most of the people who give what we call the most have the most to give. Hey man, I, 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 let me say this and, and just keep moving on. You know, the, the, the $2 and the $3 offerings that people give, the, the kind that you laugh at, God is rejoicing in. Verse 3, and he sought to see Jesus, who he was, and could not for the press because he was a little stature. And he ran before and climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him, for he was to pass that way. Now, I mentioned to you last time, the thing that gets me here is Zacchaeus couldn't see because of the press. The press got in the way of Zacchaeus seeing Jesus. And Zacchaeus had to put a little more effort into his trying to see Jesus because the press was in the way. Mm. Uh, We'll get to it. Verse 5, and when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and saw him and said unto him, Zacchaeus, make haste and come down, for today I must abide at thy house. I thought he was just passing through, but he saw Zacchaeus. And let me tell you, you don't have to climb a sycamore tree for Jesus to see you. (laughs) And I want to remind you that... His climbing the tree wasn't the key to Jesus seeing him. Oh, no, no, no. It wasn't. Because if Jesus only saw him because he climbed the sycamore tree, we ought to climb our own sycamore trees. But I found the truth. In fact, we looked at it and we saw, what are the works that please God? That you believe. There's a difference in works... To impress versus works that are born out of believing. He put in the effort because he believed. Wow, and, uh, oh, yeah, this is so good. Now, now, let's keep going. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and saw him and said unto him, Zacchaeus, make haste and come down, for today I must abide at thy house. This was not Jesus declaring to him, Zacchaeus, you better let me come to your house today. No, no, no. This was, I want you to understand this. What comes to Zacchaeus comes to Zacchaeus by grace. And not by his own effort. Okay? And and so, what Jesus recognized was that Zacchaeus was willing to let him in. So Zacchaeus still had an option here. Uh, he, could, he, could, he could have been sitting in the chair at church, being convicted by God, and refused to come down. And yeah, don't, don't shut me down because I'm preaching real good. You know, he could have been there with his parents ministering the gospel to him, and knowing that God was tugging at his heart and refusing to respond. He had an option. You see, but Jesus doesn't see the outside. He sees what goes on on the inside. 
And these are biblical examples of redemption. Somebody's about to get restored. He is doing the work of reconciliation. Now, I made this comment to you last time. I want to remind you of it. What makes Zacchaeus special? It's not his money. It is that he is lost. But then there's press of people trying to see Jesus. Certainly there are other lost ones that are out there. But Jesus turns his attention to Zacchaeus because Zacchaeus has a heart to receive. No, 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 no. Oh, my goodness. Again, this is for the church folk. Why don't I get a word? What's the message for me? Jesus sees you. Because I guarantee he saw all the other people out there, but he saw Zacchaeus and said, Zacchaeus, get in Zacchaeus' mind now. All these other people that are out here, you come, you're going to come to my house? You know, what I don't hear Zacchaeus say is, is Jesus, uh, wouldn't you do better going to somebody else? And I'm like, no, I'm going to take advantage. <laughs> I'm taking advantage. I don't care how many people are in this church with me. I hear God calling out to me. I acknowledge my being lost. I'm going to receive him as he knocks on the door. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and saw him and said unto him, Zacchaeus, make haste and come down. For today, I must abide at thy house. Oh, I really don't know how to say this. Sometimes my, word, my words escape me. But when you see Jesus must, he's about the Father's business. That's the only thing Jesus must do. <laughs> you remember, uh, some of you know the, the scriptures when, when his uh, mother and brothers came. Say, hey, Jesus, we need to talk to you. I don't have to talk to you. I must be about my father's business. Who is my family? Hmm. See, he's on a mission. He's on a redeeming mission. So Zacchaeus make haste and come down. For today I must abide at thy house. And Zacchaeus made haste. And came down and received him joyfully. Thank you, Jesus. I believe Zacchaeus coined that phrase. <laughs> Come to my, thank you, Jesus. Come to my house. Zacchaeus knew his standing in society. And he didn't want to see Jesus because Jesus was a passing celebrity. He wanted to see Jesus because this man could change lives. And when the man who can't change lives says, I can, I'm going to come to your house and you want your life to be changed, you receive him joyfully. He made haste and came down and received him joyfully. I'm telling you, I, I, just get, put, your, put yourself in Zacchaeus' shoes. All these other people. And you're going to do me the honor. You're going to give me the privilege of spending time with me. I get to ask you the questions I've been wanting to ask. There have been things on my mind and, and I just haven't been able to get it together. I, I, I get a chance to ask 
you who come from the heavenlies. I've been wanting to, what I've been doing is not right. It's not sitting right with me. There's something more and I want to be right with God. I, I feel like I'm trapped. I'm lost in this. I get a chance to talk to him who can change my condition. Receive him joyfully. Now, now, here's the problem with too many of us. We don't see a need for us to change. And so when Jesus knocks, he's like, you're like, what's wrong, Jesus? <laughs> Haven't I done everything you told me to do? Instead of with an humble heart. Just like we make our confession before service. I came to change. I'm acknowledging there are things in me, about me, that are not right with you, God. And I don't want to stay on the wrong position. So change me. I'm not too big for change. I'm not too right for change. And he made haste and came down and received him joyfully. Again, make haste. Time is critical. Here's what I want you to hear. Goodness, I got to keep moving, but... Some things just grab me and, and I can't let go, all right? So forgive me for it. But here's what I believe I hear from God when it comes to second chances. Now, Jesus was passing this way today, but was there any guarantee he was going to pass that way tomorrow? Was there any guarantee? So I believe that kids recognize this. This could be my last chance. Time is critical. We, in our minds, have this superior attitude as though God is obligated to see us through day by day. When tomorrow is not promised. When God sets an opportunity before us in this day. He says today, if you will hear his voice and harden not your heart. We let opportunities pass us by because we think we always have tomorrow. There'll always be another opportunity. But who told you that? And even if God wanted to give you another opportunity, the choices we make take us off the road and veers us off of that second chance. So this is why I say this is what I say about second chances. Second chances might be your last opportunity. He's a God of the second chances. Well, how many second chances do you need? I believe the first second chance is mercy at work. You best take advantage. And he made haste and came down and received him joyfully. For all his being a sinner. That's who Zacchaeus was. Zacchaeus was a sinner. That's why the Bible talks about the publicans the way they do. Because that was their practice. Yeah, we did look at that scripture when John was ministering in the wilderness and the publicans came to his baptism and said, What must we do? And he said, Stop cheating people. Stop taking more than what's right. Your practices are unrighteous. For all that key is being a sinner. Jesus didn't have any issue stopping by for him. 
Amen. Glory to your name, God. Mm. Again, I wonder how many messages Zacchaeus heard about his profession. How despicable he was for taking it. How despicable he was in doing and, and making those transactions that were so unrighteous. But Jesus can change a man. Again, it's the miraculous. It's the merciful. It's the gracious work of God. I I, I believe that Zacchaeus at one point in time may have let his mind wander as the enemy would desire that you're never going to be nothing. It'll always be like this. You might as well take your life now. You're no good. But Jesus stopped. Jesus saw Zacchaeus. I don't know what the enemy had told Zacchaeus in his mind, but Jesus was going to change that man. Again, there are many people who need to change. What is the critical thing? His response. He responded. Received him joyfully. But here in verse 7, we get introduced to the third character. We've met Jesus. We've met Zacchaeus. In verse 7, and when they, here, here it is. Here's our third character. They. And when they saw it, they all murmured. Now, now this is an interesting saying here. <laughs> it says, they saw it and they all murmured. Now, in my mind, this is our kind of talk. It's not King James English. This is around the way speak. Who told you that was all right? Well, they all said, well, excuse me? You know, it's a general term. <laughs> but now there's a they all in the picture. And when they saw it, now, now who had the opportunity to see it? Those people who were in the press. And when they saw it, they all murmured saying that he was gone to be guest with a man that is a sinner. Now, the Bible makes it plain here. They're not saying, man, look at that. Isn't that so nice? Isn't that so sweet? Isn't that so holy? Isn't that so righteous? He's going to sup with somebody who's a sinner. No, he says they all murmured, putting a negative connotation on it so that we can understand they were talking bad about Jesus and Zacchaeus. I thought he was supposed to be some kind of preacher. He's going up there being with sinners. When they saw it, they all murmured. So we're introducing here, they all. Too often, there is a they all in the press. Ooh, okay. How do I explain this? So do you think 100% of the people in the press were included in they all? I would say probably not. I would say that we would really be stretching our minds to think there was such a press as that kids can see it, and they all got together, the 100% of them, and murmured together. I believe it just takes a few to be a they all. <laughs> you, you hear what I'm saying here? I believe it just takes a few. 
But all we know about the press is what they all said. I'm letting that sink in. All we know about the press is what they all said. So now, even though everyone in the press is not a they all, now the press is defined by they all. And so now, the press has a bad name. Because they all are doing what they all do. Mm. Let's keep pushing forward. <laughs> Look, so this is personal, people. Jesus is doing a work in Zacchaeus. And Zacchaeus is receiving Jesus. The press has nothing to do with it. They all have nothing. No, you, redemption is of God, people. <laughs> I don't care who's standing on the sidelines talking about the Zacchaeuses of the world. Jesus comes in and has a personal relationship with Zacchaeus, and Zacchaeus gets the benefit. I don't care what they all say. And I don't know about you, but, but I think about me. I was a Zacchaeus at one point in time. It didn't matter what people said. I knew where I had come from. And I knew I needed change. And I was not going to not receive the change because of what they all say. So aren't you so glad? Redemption is of God and not about man. See, because they all have this attitude. Look how clean we are. Look how dirty he is. How dare he try to play off as if he... Now, now here's our attitude about... Here's they all's attitude about the Zacchaeuses that Jesus is dealing with. They ain't not really changing. It ain't for real. We know who they are. They took some of our money. Uh, again, don't, don't, don't shout me down because I'm preaching real good now. It's not genuine. They still a heathen. <laughs> That's the mindset of they all. And remember, Zacchaeus couldn't see Jesus because of the press. But they all have that attitude. It's like, like we have arrived... And they forgot where they came from. They forgot where they came from. Well, well, let me put it this way. Maybe they never knew where they came from. Maybe they thought they came out the womb holy. Maybe that really was their attitude. And so they're part of an exclusive club now. And you know what comes from this attitude? No church growth. In fact, the church goes in the opposite direction. Behind they are. Here it is. Zacchaeus wants to be clean, clean, but they think they're privileged. They think they're part of an exclusive club that Zacchaeus couldn't possibly join. They all are the ones, here we go, when 
the teacher, the minister, the preacher, the pastor, gets down after their message. They all are the ones who tell the minister, boy, what a good word, but then they get with their bandits and talk about how the message just didn't move them. But Jesus Christ was evidently set forth. Set forth enough that Zacchaeus received Jesus. And they missed it all together. They didn't even recognize it. That's why I like that song. Even when I don't see it, he's working. <laughs> and remember, when one lost one is returned back to the fold, he commands rejoicing. But that's the problem with they all. They all are not in sync with God. God is rejoicing and they're upset. God is moving and they're standing still. And when God says, stand still, they want to move. When God says, it's time to speak, they don't have anything to say. And when they have something to say, God is saying, I wish you'd shut up. Just out of sync with God. See, these pervert the way of righteousness by their gossip. By their ungodly practice. What do I mean they pervert the way of righteousness? Jesus cannot be seen because of them. In Church of the Living Water, we should refuse to be defined by they all. See, because remember, the press probably was not 100% they all. But all we know about the press is they all. And so it doesn't take but a few to be they all to pervert the way of righteousness. To stop the flow of God. To stop the Zacchaeus from seeing God. So we need to refuse to be associated with they all. And, and let, me, let me be very, very clear with this. Because sometimes you've got to break it down for people. Right? Sometimes. Here's what I'm saying. Okay? Because here's what people do with messages like this. They will take it and they think they've been deputized. But they're born in five. Everybody's a criminal to them. Everybody's a they all to them. They're real good at pointing out everybody else being they all, but they haven't stopped to judge themselves. And when I say we should refuse, here's how we come away from that. You check yourself. You check your speech. You check what's coming out of your mouth. See, because they murmured. Because there are things that they were saying in front of people that they weren't saying behind their back. And then if you're clear, if someone comes to you with that mess, you know what to do. Stay away from them. Let them know that you're not down with that. That that is not church of the living water. That that is not the body of Christ. They'll get the message. So you've got to break it down for some people. Because some people hear that and they just run and start saying, They're, they all, they all, they all, they all. No, that's not what I'm, I'm talking. Check yourself. I know you didn't tune in for this. I thought this was all about redemption. Yeah, act like you're redeemed. But too often... There's a group just like this, ignorant to the reality that God is working even when they're idle. 
you know what they should have been doing? They should have been rejoicing with Jesus. Today, Zacchaeus has received his change. Yeah, 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 I I hear it. Yeah, but he took my money. (laughs) You took something from God. You sinned against God and he still received you. He still forgave you of your sins. He still watched you in spite of what you did and what was in your past. He gave you a new beginning. Wow. And when they saw it, they all murmured, saying that he was gone to be guest with a man that is a sinner. And Zacchaeus stood and said unto the Lord, Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor. And if I have taken anything from any man by false accusation, I restore him fourfold. Now check out this response. Wow, this is, break it down, okay? I'm telling you, it wasn't the sycamore tree. It wasn't him running to get a good spot. His heart was already there. And so when he makes this declaration, I've seen comments. I've heard people talk about, well, he did it in response to those that were murmuring. I don't necessarily believe that. Because, again, this is personal. This is personal. He has just, he was ready for the change. He was hungry for it. His hunger is what drove him to run in front of the crowd. His hunger is what drove him to walk up in, or, or to climb up into the sycamore tree. His hunger is what drove him to receive Jesus Christ joyfully. And so when he makes a statement, you know what this is a statement of? It's a statement that comes from his heart. What does it mean to believe? It means to fully embrace with your heart. He had fully embraced it. What he says, he does not say to impress the Lord Jesus Christ. He says it because Jesus has impressed his heart. There is a difference. And when Jesus says it this way, out of the abundance of the heart, The mouth speaks. So what we get with his voice is the residue, not the residue, I shouldn't say it that way, is the offshoot of what is now in his heart. Again, the Bible makes a point to let us know he was rich. He had opportunities before if he wanted to, to give his money back. But he received Jesus today. And why did Jesus see him? And he didn't see all those other lost people? Because his heart was ready to embrace. And when a heart has embraced, the heart's going to speak. Keep your ribbon there. Romans chapter 10. See, it's not what he swears he's going to do. It's not what he's done. Because it wouldn't be by grace if that was the case. But it is by grace. And let me tell you, once grace has been received by you, something ought to change. Romans chapter 10. 
how do I say it? How do I say it? Here's how I say it. Many people who are born again can testify to this. There are things that I used to do before I was born again that I just can't do now. Why? Not because I have to do it. It's because it's my heart. My heart is just not there anymore. My heart is now given to the Lord Jesus Christ. And if I get involved with those things that Jesus does not approve of, my heart convicts me. And so I got to put that away. He understood, you know, I've been robbing. I've been stealing. I've been doing all kinds of unrighteousness. But you can't have my heart and me still be involved with that. Now, now here's what I believe Jesus did. I don't, well, here's what I believe Jesus didn't do. I don't believe he went to Zacchaeus' house. You need to stop this. You need to stop that. No, no, I believe he went to Zacchaeus' house and said, you know what? The kingdom of God is at hand. And where you are, you can't enter in. But if you receive the love of the Father. And I believe he went through the Old Testament. (laughs) I believe he revealed the Old Testament and how God was going to bring his lamb into the world. That there's no sin that this lamb couldn't cover. Couldn't pay for. I don't believe Jesus told him to stop doing a thing. I believe Jesus told him to believe. Romans chapter 10, verse 8 and 9. But what saith that the word is nigh thee, even in thy mouth and in thy heart, that is the word of faith which we preach. That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. I believe we have a divine combination right here. Not just the mouth, but there must be a heart that inspires the mouth to speak and say what it says. So when Zacchaeus spoke, it is a response that comes from his heart. And they all can't see it. And it doesn't matter because they all are not the judge. If there's anything I can impress upon you, then I just believe this because I believe it's true, is that God is not a try, trying to beat you into a relationship with Him. He's trying to good you into a relationship with Him. Because this is a love affair. He's not trying to save face either. I believe He loves us. I believe the Bible when the Bible says, for God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. I believe that. And so what happens once he has our heart, he has our heart. No, no, you don't get that. We are now receiving his love and saying, I love you because you love me. And what I, when I sin, if I were to sin, you know what breaks first? My heart. That I did wrong to the one who loved me and the one that I love. So I don't need somebody to tell me what to do. I believe my heart lets me know from the get-go. You've got to separate yourself from this. <laughs> and Zacchaeus stood and said unto the Lord, Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor. 
And if I have taken anything from any man by false accusation, I restore him fourfold. Now, now no doubt, when he spoke, if others heard, they probably were saying, talk is cheap. But I have this message for them. Redemption is of God. So while people are sitting up there saying it's not real, it's not genuine, he's still a shyster, he's still a criminal, he's still a crook. Jesus saw him. He didn't see him on the outside. He saw what was going on in his heart. In verse number 9, and Jesus said unto him, This day is salvation come to this house. What Jesus just said, here I am. Here's my evidence that God is in me. Reconciling the world to himself. He is giving clarification that what you have just heard is a production of the heart of Zacchaeus who has believed and embraced in his heart the gospel message. How do we know that salvation has come to his house? Because Jesus said it did. Didn't matter what anybody else says. Didn't matter what anybody else says they don't see. This is personal. This is between Zacchaeus and the Lord. And again, one of the things I just don't see is Zacchaeus not sitting up and see, told you, told you, told you. No, it's personal. I don't need your confirmation. I just need God to see my heart. Jesus hears the words from your mouth and then weighs the heart that they came from. So while other men are judging, Christ is here declaring justification and release. Now the key here is Jesus knows. Do you hear me? Jesus knows. Those close to you may not know, but Jesus knows. Jesus knows if the declaration you made is from the heart or not. It's not what others say. It's not how others judge. But but don't get it confused. Don't get it confused. (laughs) A heart that believes will not allow there to be an absence of evidence. Do you hear me? A heart that believes will not allow there to be an absence of evidence. In other words, you know, we can talk about grace all we want to, and it is by grace, meaning it's God's effort that did all the redemption work, and we just get to receive it, eat of it, feed off of it. But once we've fallen in love with the Lord Jesus Christ, there's going to be some evidence. Uh, hey, there's going to be some evidence. You know, the first evidence is, I'm going to do those things that he loves. I'm going to stick to those things that he loves. You know, this, this is when people say, you're going to church. Well, you know, I don't need your confirmation. I, but my heart is his. Oh, this scripture always gets me. It comes to my mind often. I am my beloved's. And my beloved is mine. Oh, you talk all you want to, but I got a personal relationship with this one. And I'm not walking away from that relationship because you say this or you say that. (laughs) 
Zacchaeus' declaration was made not so much because he wanted to impress Jesus, but because Jesus had left an impression on him. Wow. I want to add this, and I'm, I'm out of time. Oh, I'm out of time. But I want to add this. Here's the question. Did Zacchaeus deserve it? Did Zacchaeus deserve this great and ultimate act of kindness? That for all the wrong he did, he was forgiven. For all the wrong he did, all the things that God was not pleased with, when his heart received the gospel, God was all right with him and he was all right with God. Did Zacchaeus deserve this? No. But who does? Who does? And I'm here to tell you, all of the people who were lost in the press, they deserved it just as much as Zacchaeus did. But Zacchaeus had a heart to receive it. And when he received it, Jesus saw it, entered into his house. He responded based off of his heart. And Jesus declared, so everyone would know, no, this is salvation happening right here. Let's finish this with this verse. This day is salvation come to this house for as much as he also is a son of Abraham. Again, he's using the Jewish nation as an example. But verse 10. For the Son of Man is come to seek and to save that which was lost. Who was lost? Zacchaeus was lost. When was he lost in? He was lost in his sin. But he was not so far gone and so far away, hadn't done so many things, that God still didn't want him. And in spite of him doing all things deserving justice, it's God's desire. He's done the work to redeem Zacchaeus and every other lost individual that is out there. Now, if you say you're not lost, well, then you don't need to be found. But if you are lost and hurting your loss, I know a Savior. I know a Redeemer. And this Redeemer has done all the work for you. And all he asks you to do is just to embrace the reality that he paid it all. I'm out of time. I got to stop. This has been a teaching message from Church of the Living Water at Austin. For more information about our ministry, please go to our website at livingwateraustin.net.